this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on wellness. My guest is Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Dr. T was just featured on Ricky Lake a couple days ago. You may have seen him. He's also been featured on CNN, MSNBC. Dr. Oz and Martha Stewart Living, just to name a few. Today, he's back to talk about his latest book, Real Cause, Real Cure. To find out more about Jacob and his work, go to his website, vitality101.com and endfatigue.com. Fascinating interview. Let's get to it. Hello, Jacob. How are you doing this evening? Uh, Doing great. Always a pleasure to be with you, Sabrina Marie. Thanks so much. We're talking about this wonderful book of yours that I've been uh, reading, The Real Cause, Real Cure, and the Nine Root Causes of the Most Common Health Problems and How to Solve Them. And you're going to tell us a lot about that book tonight. Well, absolutely. People kept saying, you know, that they wish that our human bodies came with an, an owner's manual. <laughs> yes. How to keep it healthy and, you know, how to troubleshoot it when problems happen. So having been in a mix of holistic and standard medicine for about 38 years, I decided to put one together for people. And said also there was going to be a fun read, uh, not just heavy kind of a tome. So it's one of those easy-to-read books. Half of it's an owner's manual reference guide. So anything from acne to zoster, diabetes, heart disease, you know, PMS, whatever ails you, uh, you'll look it up, and it's in there, and it says here's what's going on, and here's how to make it go away, especially using natural therapies. Well, that's wonderful that you're doing the natural therapies. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about what your angle was for this book? Because there are many, many books on natural cures, but I'm sure you uh, you'd seen a lot, and, and uh, something something had to inspire this. Well, absolutely, because there's bits and pieces of it in different places, and people get confused. They say, well, this book says that, and the other one says this. And So what we did is to tie it all together for people, because there's really nine key areas, uh, things like sleep, hormonal problems, infections, inflammation, uh, nutritional deficiencies, not enough exercise, happiness deficiency, uh, uh, mm-hmm. toxics, things like that. But basically, if you know those nine key areas, and they're really easy to tune up and keep humming, you're going to be feeling a whole, whole lot better, and you're just going to feel happy and vital and alive. Uh, but it goes through, like, simple ways to do it. Um, and, like I say, for the different illnesses, even things like starting with the A's, like Alzheimer's disease. You know, most people diagnosed with Alzheimer's don't have Alzheimer's. They've been misdiagnosed. They have other things causing the confusion. Uh, and those things are usually very, very treatable. And even with, if they do have Alzheimer's, they give them two medications that are pretty near useless in my opinion well not useless they're really really profitable but outside of that for the patients are pretty useless when there's simple things where the tune-ups you talk about in that chapter like optimized nutrition and hormones and things like that people find that their brain comes right back and a really common thing get people off of these dozen to 20 medications that they built up you know you want to work with a doctor to do that but and I see these people who are you know 75 years old and confused and I look at their medication list and I said if you had me on this I'd be arrested for DWI mm-hmm. you know? and most of them they don't need anymore so we take people off one at a time we get them off the medications uh, that they don't need which is most of them in most cases and um, son of a gun people find that their brain comes back 
and all of a sudden they recognize a family and they're even safe to drive a lot of times. You know, that they were basically just toxic from the medications. So, so many simple things, just easy, easy things to do. And you know me well, I'm not against medications. I'm just against the way they're used in this country, which is based predominantly on profit, uh, very little on sanity, and probably even less on science. It's, it's basically slick advertising masquerading as science. So, what we're here to do today is to teach people how to get a life they love and how to do it easily and naturally. I was reading the book, and it talks about right in Chapter 1, nutritional deficiencies, optimize nutrition and optimize health. How much of these health nutritional deficiencies are the cause of these issues? <laughs> massive, 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 real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Half of our diet is coming from sugar, white flour, and added fats that have been stripped of almost all of the nutrients except for calories. So we have people who are obese and malnourished for the first time in human history. So it's, it's very, very hard to get the vitamins and minerals that you need. Um, even a lot of the RDAs that I call ridiculous dietary allowances that are set up, <laughs> it seems, to prevent scurvy, not to create optimal levels, say, using vitamin C as an example. Um, so what we do is we go through the key nutrients, and what the optimum levels are and why. But, you know, the next thing is, I don't want people taking handfuls of pills all day. You know, that's what I call being part of the handful club. I need mm-hmm. this vitamin D, and I need that vitamin E, and I need this. No. You know, you take a simple vitamin powder, you add a scoop of water, and it's going to supply the 50 key nutrients you need in optimal levels. And it's it's cheap, it's easy, and it's well-balanced, and they're optimized. They're just... So it can be made very easy for people, and that's, that's what I want people to get is how to, you know, just in the morning takes 30 seconds, best 30 seconds people spend all day, and that way they can eat the American diet. I mean, you want to get whole foods when you can, um, but they can live in, in the United States or in modern life and have it be easy and get the optimized nutrition they need. Well, you're talking about the um, supplements, and many people just think it's just uh, you know water down the water, water you know down the tube there when you just take all these supplements, and they don't understand the importance of them. Can you elaborate? Well, it's funny, you know. There's some um, traditional doctors who like to say that well, since the vitamins go out in your urine, all you're doing is making expensive urine, and mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> What I would recommend to them is to stop drinking water because it's just going to go out in their urine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they do that pretty soon, they're not going to be bothering people that are trying to get well. So, you know, there's these <laughs> simple things. So they say 500 years ago, people didn't take vitamins and they did fine. And, yeah, well, 500 years ago, they weren't getting 150 pounds of sugar per person per year. If you wanted sugar, you had to sail to the West Indies. It was got awful expensive. Um, they weren't getting all the white flour. White flour is how we learned about vitamins in the first place. The Dutch mm-hmm. settlers thought, hey, this is pretty fashionable, and they started getting rickets. It was funny. You know, they, they, the, colon, the settlers uh, would go to the colonies, and you know, the white rice uh, was actually what was becoming fashionable. So they, they would eat the white rice, and they'd give the, the shavings, the hull, uh, to the chickens. Mm-hmm. And this one person was looking, and they were noticing that all the settlers were starting to walk bow-legged like the chickens used to. Um, and the chickens are standing up straight and tall and looking healthy as could be. Well, the settlers 
we're getting crickets. <laughs> and um you know, and the so the the person took those shavings from the rice and he was a good entrepreneur, even back then in the nutritional field. Uh we saw those and he packaged it and he called it vital amines or vitamins, even though they weren't proteins. But so, you know, five hundred years ago we weren't getting half of our calories half of our nutrients removed in food processing. So life is very different now. And people need good nutritional support. You want to eat a whole food diet. But it's really good, I think, to get an insurance policy with a good multi. What are, when we hear this in the news and we read these in magazines, antioxidants, what do they serve in the body? Well, if you think about it, you know, if you look back historically, people are worried these days and they say, oh, my God, they're driving all these species to extinction more than any time in human history. Well, that's not really true. Uh, the biggest mass extinction that ever happened was caused by something called algae because they made oxygen and released it into the uh, atmosphere. And oxygen oxidizes, it rusts things. Uh, it's very, very toxic. And most of the species on the planet died out, except the ones who learned to use oxygen. And those are the ones that survived. Uh, so the thing is that since oxygen is so oxidative, it's so toxic, you need antioxidants or it rusts the different cells and molecules in your body. So we can use oxygen to make energy, but to do so, you've got to have the antioxidants or it'll basically kill the cells. Um, in the body. So antioxidants, and there's hundreds of different kinds, um, are very, very important. And that's why people talk about them preventing aging. When you don't get enough antioxidants, you get wear and tear. People age prematurely. Um, and if you optimize them, which really, if you look at foods, foods that are very colorful, like berries, for example, are very high in antioxidants. Uh, these colors come from antioxidants that prevent the uh, berries, for example, from getting sun damage mm-hmm. or getting damaged by the environment. Um, so, again, eating whole foods, colorful foods. Uh, I like, I tell people just if you're going to have a bowl of cereal in the morning, make it a good whole grain cereal. It can be as simple as life or Cheerios. You know, there's all these um, other ones that are quite healthy whole grains. And take a handful of berries, whatever's in season, and cut a banana in. Uh, the banana will give you potassium, decrease the risk of high blood pressure. These simple things. Um, and it tastes delicious. Like take some cinnamon, sprinkle it on top, add some stevia to sweeten it, and it tastes delicious. And you're going to get more antioxidants than if you're taking a handful of other pills. Now, bioflavonoids and antioxidants, two different things or the same thing? Well, they're different. And bioflavs are one family, mm-hmm. um, and the antioxidants are a bigger, different family. Mm-hmm. So different animals, fireflies. They're just one of the many, many nutrients uh, that people need. Just one of the many. Okay, we hear a lot also about the omega-3s and how they're supposed to be essential fatty acids. Many people may not even know what essential fatty acids are. What do they do? Well, whole lots of things. Um, if you look at the essential fatty acids, which is really what you want out of the fish oils, you don't need the rest of the oil. That's like eating soybean oil is not doing it much good. Um, but the things like eicosapentanoic acid or DHA, DHA, for example, is um, the oil that your brain is made from. 
most of the oil in the brain is docohexanoic acid or DHA. It's the same oil found in fish oil, which is why fish used to be called brain food. Um, and if you don't have enough, not just does your brain not work, but people get depressed. Um, having inadequate essential fatty acids uh, um, will end up causing your mood to go south. Um, other very important things, inflammation. You know, people may not notice, but we have a whole lot more inflammation these days than we used to, and that's because of the diet. Um, the oils that are anti-inflammatory, which would be fish oils as a major example, uh, but also if you look at animal fats, uh, cows that are grass-fed, the oils in those cows are much less inflammatory than ones that are grain-fed now in the feedlots. So simple things you can do uh, can dramatically decrease your uh, inflammation setting. And I, what I'd like to mention for people to get, if we think inflammation, we think inflammation bad. No, it's a critical part of our body's defense and repair system. And inflammation is good. The problem is when we have too much inflammation, which is happening nowadays as the amounts of inflammatory oils in our diet skyrockets, sugar skyrockets, and the fish oils and omega-3s go down. Um, so getting a good omega-3, and um, again, you know my policy. I don't take money from any of the supplement companies and even products I design. The royalties all go to charity. So that allows me to get thumbs up for things or thumbs down. <laughs> um, but to make it really easy for people, we talked about the vitamin powder before. For those that are interested, it's called the Energy Revitalization System Vitamin Powder. One half to one scoop a day and replaces over 35 supplement tablets. Uh, for those who think I'm kidding, if you can get what's in that one scoop and listen to 35 pills, I'll give you 50 bucks. Nobody's been able to do it yet. Mm. So, um, so that makes it easy. And then instead of taking eight to ten fish oil capsules and burping up fish oil all day and getting all the strands of toxic <laughs> stuff, there's one called Vectomega. Uh, that one's by a company called Eurofarm. You can find both of these in most health food stores. We have them at endfatigue.com. They're easy to find all over the place. Uh, Vectomega, one a day. It's all you need. It'll, it will get the same amount of uh, essential fatty acids to your cells as taking eight to ten of those big monster capsules of most fish oils. So simple, simple. Uh, and better yet, eat four servings a week of salmon, tuna, uh, even sardines for those that are ethnically inclined herring, uh, oily fishes. Best way to get your essential fatty acids. Now, I can't leave this question. You're talking about the, the different oils. What would a vegan or vegetarian use in place of fish oil? And I know that the conversion rate is different also. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. The reason, uh, another good way to get the, the omega-3 is to be flaxseed oil. But again, okay. brand matters because these oils go rancid. So if you're a vegan, um, go ahead and take the flaxseed oil. The brand that I would use is called Barleen's. Uh, they make probably the best flaxseed oil in the world. And take that oil and leave it in the refrigerator, and some people save it in the freezer. It keeps it fresh. Um, but again, it has to be converted to the EPA, and it's, it's a slow conversion. It's not as efficient as just taking the fish oil. So for those that are not vegan... Um, you know, go ahead and, and eat the fish or take the Vectomega. For those that are vegan, uh, get the flaxseed oil from Berlin's. Wonderful. Now, you're mentioning whole food, and uh, mm-hmm. people are always on that. Well, it, you know, it costs uh, too much to eat healthy. <laughs> it costs way, way too much. They use that excuse. What do you say to that? 
Well, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I know Dr. Oz. Well, he's a friend of mine, and uh, his daughter, who he should be very proud of, she wrote a, a nice book. And she asked a simple question. And she said, why is it that if you take a whole food and process it, that processed food at the end costs less than the whole food? <laughs> you know? It's just a strange sense that, that the kids these days, even the adult kids, they're, they're really a lot wiser than we are, you know, the ones coming before them. And, you know, she asked the growing question. And the reason is because they take it and they load it full of junk. They load it full of sugar. They load it full of a bunch of other stuff. Um, they get the lousiest stuff to start with a lot of times because of stuff that nobody would eat so they can sell it to these companies. It's So when you can get the whole foods, you want to do that. So, But on the other hand, getting a whole grain pizza is difficult. Now, you may have managed a little better than most. Um, so I tell people, if you want your pizza, go out and eat your pizza. You know, but then at home, if you can get the whole grain bread, that's easy to do, get the whole grain breads. So it's not that you can't eat anything that's not whole grain or whole food. It's just try to add more and more whole foods in as it's convenient. I gave the example of the berries for breakfast. A real easy thing to do. You know, if you want snacks to munch on, get some nuts. They can just be dry roasted. Um, now, peanuts aren't really uh, nuts technically. Uh, but the other ones, you know, Costco, I'll get these big one or two pound things of mixed nuts. They're, they're dirt cheap. And they make a great snack. And the funny thing is that people don't gain weight from them. Um, you eat a handful or two nuts, two a day of, of nuts. Cholesterol goes down, but it seems to burn more calories than it gives you. Uh, people don't seem to gain weight if they just have a little bit each day. So there's all these simple ways. Eggs. Eggs are really, really, really healthy food. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this myth that it raises cholesterol. And it's funny, I remember when I was first out of medical school and this nutritionist was giving a class, a holistic nutritionist, and I figured, yeah, I'm full, I'll just go and sit and make fun of her. And she, you know, I was going ahead and talking about how eggs don't raise cholesterol. And I went up to her after and wanted to rip her, new, you know, whatever, and I basically said, how dare you put out that dangerous nonsense? You know, we know that eggs raise cholesterol. We have these complex equations that tell you exactly how much the cholesterol will raise your cholesterol and the whole thing. And she patiently smiled with me. She'd heard, you know, doctors blow their steam out before. And, and after I was done ranting, she said, I'm glad he asked. Here's a stack of studies. And she gave me six studies where they had given people six eggs a day for six weeks. And they looked at the cholesterol before and after. And the effect was no change in cholesterol. Nada. Nothing. Zip. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what is going on here? And, you know, after that, I kept going back to her and asking, well, what else do you have? What other studies do you have? And she was like this endless fount. Uh, her name is Danica Outbaut-Locke. She's in the D.C. area, brilliant um, nutritionist. And so eggs are a good, healthy food. That's the closest you can get to a complete protein without, you know, short of eating another human being. So, so eggs are good, healthy food. Um, and, you know, that myth busted. You know, the myth that it raises cholesterol, good and well busted. Uh, salt. We have all these things where they're saying, oh, we'll cut out the salt, you know, and, you know, people eat this much more salt, you know, they die younger. Well, let's take a look at what the studies show. You look at the Ann Haines study, which is the largest nutritional study done in the world. It's an ongoing national survey. And they found that people who eat less salt, uh, basically who eat the amount of salt that's recommended now by the government, how much longer do they live? They don't. They die younger. Mm. So the 
key thing is cut out excess sugar. Now, I'm going to add the magic words, except for chocolate. Um, if you eat dark chocolate or even regular chocolate, did you know that the study showed that it is 25 more times more likely to prevent you getting a heart attack than taking statin medicines to lower cholesterol? Mm. So chocolate or these medications, hmm, which one do you think your doctor will hear about in terms of the research? No, the, the one that's selling $30 billion a year in medications. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. But they won't hear about the studies uh, looking at, at chocolate. So simple things. And again, you don't have to give up pleasure. In fact, you know, myth number two, people have the saying that we've been taught that if things make you feel good, they're bad for you. I mean, talk about being it's insane. It's totally insane. Because things feel good for you because your body says, hey, I like this. Now, you can take heroin and you'll feel good for a couple hours, but overall you're going to feel lousy. So the things that leave you feeling good generally are good for you. But it's funny. It's it's almost part of medicine seems to want to take away people's power. So if we can convince you that you can't tell what's good for you, you know, normally if, if it tastes good, it makes you feel good, it's good for you. You know that. You like it, you eat it. They say, no, you have to listen to us. And, and look at, let's look at the medical advice given over the years. Hmm. I remember when I was a kid, the AMA had commercials on TV saying, smoke cigarettes. AMA recommended. <laughs> I remember they'd have these things where, don't breastfeed, that's barbaric. Use formula. What? And really? then, you know, now, yeah, and this is the uh, AMA, you know, the recommendations. Now, you know, of course, uh, you, you could see the money flowing in the background from the companies that make formula and, and that made the cigarettes. You know, they finally, finally gave up recommending cigarettes on TV because it got too embarrassing. Um, but, you know, now they have the wonderful recommendation to avoid sunshine. Yeah, that's really crazy. It's totally crazy. Uh, that's, that advice may cause more deaths than the advice to smoke cigarettes. Um, it's estimated that the vitamin D deficiency that we're seeing from avoiding sunshine, which is the main source of vitamin D, may cause upwards of 185,000 excess deaths a year. Whoa, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Awful. I had to check mm-hmm. something you said about the uh, smoking. I went on YouTube, and I actually mm-hmm. ran into, by mistake, really, I wasn't even looking for for a cigarette commercial. Old cigarette commercial saying, was it 10 out of so many doctors recommend this Nine out of 10 doctors, the smokes and pomo, yeah, whatever. I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) 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 What? What? Money, 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 honey. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Follow the money trail. So, So there's all these things out there where there's this, this attempt on the part of medicine, and it's not really all that conscious, um, but they want to disempower people so that you have to go to your doctor and get all these kind of good advice like smoking and, breath, and not breastfeeding. Um, it's funny, you look at this whole thing about placebo effects. You know, they, they say, well, you know, if you get better taking a natural remedy, that's a placebo effect. You know, basically anything you can do on your own then you must have been crazy in the first place. <laughs> Where, you know, but if you take this medication, well, it's a medicine that got you better. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, and the studies show that who pays for the study, you know, basically the drug companies paying for it, makes the study basically invalid. It's, uh, if the study is paid for um, in a head-on study, for example, looking at some of the cholesterol medications or different, when they do one head-on study against the other, they found that 
the whoever paid for the study determined the outcome, that it was 20 times more likely to have a positive result if it was paid for by a drug company than if the study was done independently, which basically, and even the past editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, Dr. Angel, said you know, straight out that it, it kind of shocked her when she realized that most studies are not reliable, even the ones in the main journals, and that most of what you know medicine is based on today, sadly, is slick advertising and slick marketing masquerading as science. So it behooves people. And again, I'm a I'm an MD. I'm a physician, and I you know I, I'm, I will go through thousands and thousands and thousands of studies, but I've learned how to tear the study apart and see what it actually shows. You know, the conclusion of the study tells me who paid for it. But ripping the data apart tells me what the data, what the study actually showed. And I've been known to call research and say, where's this data? You know, this is missing from your study. And I get these things like, I, know they, I wasn't even allowed to look at the data. I don't know where it is. I'm just like, hmm. You know, it's in the you know, drug company safe where only they can look at it. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those caveat emptor out there. And people need to have the power and the information so they can make informed decisions. And it's not hard to stay healthy and feel great. And it's not hard once you're sick to get well. And often many of these things are really dirt cheap. They're very simple, natural options with good, good science behind them. But they're just, well, cheap. <laughs> so they can't make it. Your doctor won't hear about it. You mentioned sleep. Sleep people underestimate so much. In fact, um, when you say lifestyle has something to do with uh, the chronic illness and whatnot, people are so busy, so overly busy, in that it many times can affect their day. They can forget mm-hmm. things. We, we hear even mothers forgetting that they left their kids in a car. Uh, sleep. Um, or, or, they, or they forgot to ever have kids. They get 45. Yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot to have children. Yes. That's right. They're just so busy. <laughs> but how much of the decision-making process uh, is really affected, do you think, because of lack of sleep and people are just so overbooked? Uh, Sabrina Marie, it's such a big issue because if you go back 130 years ago, the average night's sleep in the United States, average, was nine hours a night. What happened then? Well, uh, Edison uh, developed light bulbs, and then we had radio, television, computers, Facebook, tweeting, TV, all these other things. Um, and now people are down to an average of six and three-quarter hour a night. That's a 30% drop in sleep time. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the consequence of that? One, um, people are tired and their brain doesn't work. Two, the people will gain an average six and a half pounds of extra weight if they don't get enough sleep because sleep is where we make uh, appetite-controlling hormones such as uh, leptin and growth hormone and things along those lines that turn fat into muscle. Um, Immune function is down. So instead of taking every new flu vaccine that, you know, for things that are never going to be a problem but will make somebody billions of dollars, um, get a good night's sleep. Get good nutrition, and you'll find your immune system works really well. Um, so there's a host of things, chronic pain. If you don't get enough sleep, people will tend to be in pain. And you get them enough sleep, the pain goes away. So getting your, and aim for a good eight hours a night shut-eye is good, and it will make you feel dramatically better. But here's a couple tricks. Because one, some people say, I can't sleep, I, I have insomnia. Well, 
There's a mix of six herbs. Uh, this one's called the Revitalizing Sleep Formula. Um, it's a mix of six herbs that will leave most people sleeping like a puppy. If people what? are, if you're achy at bedtime and it's coming there, you know, the cooler uh, temperatures out there, take a hot bath, add two cups of Epsom salts. You can get a four-pound bag of Epsom salts for four bucks at Walmart. You put one or two cups in a tub of hot water and soak. And you will feel your muscles will feel like they're melting and the pain just like it feels like it's flowing out of you and down the drain. And then you rinse off with a little bit of warm water and then you go pack yourself up in bed and you get a nice deep sleep. Uh, the smell of lavender. Take a couple sprays of lavender oil spread on your pillow or put a, a drop on your upper lip. The smell of lavender or even lavender by mouth. Uh, there's a product called Calm Ease. That's simply a lavender pill. Uh, helps wow. sleep. So... It's really easy naturally. Now, for people with chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, those of you who are exhausted and can't sleep even though you're exhausted and you ache all over and have brain fog, that's fibromyalgia. It is very, very treatable. Our published research showed that 91% of people improved by treating shine. So for those of you who have fibromyalgia, go to my website, take a piece of paper and pencil. Um, if you have a friend, if you have it yourself, write this down. Go to endfatigue.com. Um, or they can read my book, From Fatigue to Fantastic, and it will tell them what they need to do to get well. And it's, it's being redone now, but in about two weeks, we're going to have what's called a energy analysis program. On the website, it's free. It'll analyze people's symptoms and lab tests, tell them what's causing their fibromyalgia, how, and how to make it go away. It'll basically optimize their energy. Um, so a lot of simple things for folks. Um, so those folks will need natural and prescription sleep aids. Um, but the other thing is people say, well, I don't have time for sleep. And I tell them, write down the things you do in the day and have two columns, things that feel good and things that don't feel good. And then take a look at the things that don't feel good and see which ones, okay, work, yeah, it feels better to do it than to quit and be out on the street. Okay, so we'll keep that one. Um, you know, we're serving on these three school committees of how to waste everybody's time. No, that's not doing anything useful. It's just something I'm just convincing myself I should do. Well, scratch those suckers off. Uh, watching the evening news for an hour, okay, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, they're all fictions. If you think that they're not, just switch between all three of them, and you'll think you're on three different planets watching the same event. Well, that'll make so, you I mean, <laughs> Yeah, and, and it used to be, you know, when I was a kid, the advertising execs, their mantra was sex sells. So, you know, make things sexy, have beautiful women, have some man, men on it, and that's what's going to sell stuff. And now the mantra is fear sells. So the network news things are trying to scare you to death. It's not what today's news is, it's what's today's crisis. So, and, and since it's really not quite accurate, you know, the stuff on the media. And I mean, it's, I, I'm on Fox and CNN, and God bless them, and they, you know, they do a good job and they entertain. Think of it as meaning to entertain you. So as long as it feels good to watch it, watch it. But when it stops feeling good, when you find it grinding your teeth watching it, which for me takes about seven minutes, there's this little Tai Chi move, which works really well. You pause and you center, calm yourself. You reach far over to the side with a hand. You grab the remote control, point it at the TV, and click off. (laughs) 
And then you take that time that you would have spent watching that and you add it to your sleep time instead. Simple things. Awesome. You know, many people would never think of inactivity as something that would contribute to health issues. They wouldn't think that at all. Well, exercise deficiency. You know, your body has a lose it, has a use it or lose it approach to efficiency. Mm-hmm. So if you don't use it, the muscles will atrophy. And you look at these big, scrapping, you know, macho athlete types that are astronauts, and they go up in, in space, and they come back 10 days later, and they get out of the capsule, and they take a couple steps out to wave, and as soon as the cameras pan away, they put them in stretchers and carry them off because they're so deconditioned mm-hmm. in just 10 days. So you need the exercise, and it really helps a lot. And today, the most exercise that some people get is just, you know, stepping on a gas pedal or, or using the mouth, you know. It just So you want to start a walking program. And the simplest thing to do is to wear a pedometer. You can get these for 15 bucks. There's no wires anymore. You just clip it to your belt. Um, and look at how many steps a day you're taking. You want to aim over time for about 10,000 steps a day. That comes out to five miles. And I remember... The first day that I, I did that, I put it on. I figured at the end of the day, I, I figured I'm going to look at it and see how many thousands of steps I did. And, and I work out of my home. And I looked at the sucker, and it said 693 steps. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I figured, okay, better off to the walking trail with me. So then I went and, you know, do two, three miles uh, for my daily walk, and that'll add four to 6,000 steps. And then, you know, you park farther away from the doors in the parking lot, simple things. Um and you set up a time with a friend to go for your walks because that's where you're going to show up. It's scheduled. And where if, you don't, if you're not meeting somebody, you'll find any excuse, like my ear itches, so I can't go. Where if you're meeting a friend just at, at 7 o'clock, you're going to be there because that friend's waiting on you. So, and then but find things that are fun to do. Shopping is good exercise. You go to the mall and you, you do a couple of t- loops around these suckers these days. In fact, a lot of them have have what a measured mile is, you know, that's a walk in the mall. So find something that's fun, dancing, all kinds of things. You know, for you guys, if you're single, you want to uh, meet ladies where you're outnumbered, go take a dance class. (laughs) You'll get to good exercise and have more dates you can then, you know, know what to do with. So there's all kinds of things to do that are fun. You know, and whether there's dance aerobics, all, all kinds of things. But you want to use your body, and you're going to feel a whole lot better for doing so. And I'm going to say one other exercise, which is really healthy and really good. It's a three-letter word. It's called sex. Wow. I never would have thought that. That's you get the release of horn, growth hormone. Uh, so you look younger. People who have more sex actually haven't found to look 10 years younger over time. You lose weight. You get good conditioning, and it's fun. That's another one. Oh, yeah. Happiness is a biggie. You know, people come in, and you know, I see people from all over the world. They either call me to do phone consultations for their chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, or they'll come in person to see me. Um, and what I see a lot is that they're not... Happy, they were what they were doing. That basically, in chronic fatigue and five miles, are, it's an energy crisis where people blew a fuse. You'll see this with a lot of diseases. Um, but what I find is that very often, so often, actually, people are doing those things that they think they should do. When they're kids, 
you know, we try to get approval. You know, it's teachers who tell us what to do to get approval, and churches, synagogues, and parents, and all these well-meaning people who say, here's what you should do to be a good boy or a good girl. And then we would go, okay, we would do that. And do I get a pat on the head now? Okay, good. Um, but as we got older, we forgot to take the time to figure out what's authentic to us, what we really love doing. And people are doing things that they think they should do. They're doing jobs they hate. They're doing, we talk about committees and different things that, that often do no social good. Uh, but they think we should do that, should do that, should do the other. People are shooting on themselves with all these different things. And the if you are running 100 miles an hour to get to the wrong direction, to do stuff you hate, what do you think your body's going to do? It's going to shut you down. It's going to pull you over to the side of the road and say, look at a map to see where it is we really want to go. And so many people have no idea how to even tell what they want. And here's a simple trick. How do things feel to you? If it feels good, that's your psyche's way of saying that's authentic to you. If it feels bad, even if your brain is saying, well, you should do it. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? It's a socially responsible thing, blah, 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 blah. And your brain's throwing up all over you with all the programming you had as a child. Take a day, turn that sucker off. Uh, instead of a frontal lobotomy, get a bottle of tequila. Or just find whatever your, your means of choice is for turning off your brain. And take a couple hours here and there and daydream. Leave all the practicalities aside. Just daydream and see what things feel good to you. So when you're in the middle of your daydreams and you find, oh, wow, that felt really good, write it down on a piece of paper. And then start to make a list of those things that feel good. That's going to be what's authentic to you. You know the old saying, know thyself? That's how you know yourself. That's one of the ways. You get a sense of what feels good. And now you start to get a sense of, okay, how can I spend my time doing more of these things that feel good? And how can I take my attention off of those things that don't feel good? Like say, you don't have to quit your job. Sometimes you will. Over time, you'll find other things that feel better. But more people find that there's parts of their job they don't like. And, you know, they, they could just kind of let them go a bit. And some of those things, if they don't get done, other people will pick up on them. Mm-hmm. Or they won't make a difference anyway if, if, if the 88-page report that gets thrown in the trash anyway is not to perfection. You know? and, you'll, and you'll know what's important because it'll feel good. And you'll know it's basically cock-out, make-work stuff. That's a waste of everybody's time because it won't feel good. So find those things that feel good. And more and more, spend your, put your focus on those, keep your attention on those, and start spending your life doing more and more of those. And you're going to find that you're going to look up one day and be pretty happy. In fact, for those of you who don't feel happy, I'm going to recommend a book that I've written. It's just an e-book. I wrote it, uh, had about 8,000 copies or so, published some patients and stuff about 10 years ago. Um, I was looking at Amazon. It sold out pretty quickly, and somebody was selling it for like $300. Okay. So wow. I, I, put it out as an e- I put it out as an e-book again. Um, so now I guess the price is coming down a bit. But for 10 bucks on Amazon, you can get it for your Kindle. You can get a PDF of it at nfatigue.com. It's a short, simple book called Three Steps to Happiness. Read the book and follow the directions. And I guarantee you, by the time you're done and you do that, you look back a couple months later and you're going to be one happy camper or your money back. It's not hard to be happy, but it's a choice. 
Mm-hmm. You need to kind of choose to be happy. And the book will tell you how. Wonderful. Prescription medications, one of my favorite topics. Fourth oh, leading cause wow. of death in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so many uh, prescription medication commercials on TV. Well, we're supposed to tell our doctor? That's scary. Mm-hmm. Well, you think about it. You know, the let's take a look. We, we worry about terrorists blowing up four people or five people. That's a horrible thing. But, you know, we have over 30,000 totally preventable deaths a year in the United States from arthritis medications like Motrin. Wow. 30,000 deaths year in, year out. 16,500 bleeding ulcer deaths and a doubling to tripling of heart attack and stroke risk. These have been shown in the studies. Um, and the latter one, you know, there's doubling and tripling of heart attack and stroke risk. That was a study of over 100,000 people, a meta-analysis. Uh, it's really very well known, except by doctors, and the public, because all you see is on TV, you see these ads for, take, you know, arthritis away, pill, and you see this happy people, this good-looking fellow with this, you know, good, happy wife walking down the trail, and, you know, and in the background it says, you know, may cause bleeding ulcer strokes, heart attack, death, you know, your leg may fall off, you may become rabid, or, you know, and the, at the end, you know, they have such a... Or you just might blow up. <laughs> you might blow up, you know, uh, your head might explode, and... You know, at the end, people go, yeah, I want that. It's like, my God. But they'll spend $70 million per year uh, advertising each of these new medications. Uh, $35 million spent advertising to doctors and $35 million to the public. And there's a while ago where the print media and the TV medias uh, were at risk of going under financially. Uh, the economy was down. Advertising was down. And they were panicking. And then the FDA... Um, decided, the government decided um, that it should be legal to advertise medications on TV. It used to be illegal. That's well, funny. First they made it legal that you could give the name of the medication and show the pretty butterflies and the pretty flowers and have the pretty music, but you couldn't say what the medication was for. Oh, <laughs> my Take this medication. What's it for? Can't tell you. But tell your doctor. You want it, you know? And it's, um, you know, and then I guess the, they kind of figured, well, that was kind of stupid, so they, they made it that yeah, we can even say what it's for and the rest. Um, but that's one of the major sources of media income, whether it's uh, radio or TV or print media, magazines. Now, I've had magazine editors tell me that you know, when many of the drug companies put in advertisements in the magazine, they have to sign in the contract that they will not have any favorable articles in that issue about natural remedies. Wow. It's, I mean, that's funny. So the, you know, the, the media doesn't want to really slit its own throat by ragging on the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry was the white knight that saved it from going bankrupt. Um, and that same, you figure, you know, it's funny, that, well, pathetic if you think about it. There is a recent vote in the Senate. Uh, Senator Rand Paul um, proposed an amendment, and what the amendment said was very simple. It, it said that it should be legal to discuss research on natural therapies. Straightforward. It also said that, you know, that if you do discuss research on natural therapies, that the government shouldn't be allowed to come in with guns pointed. They should just be able to arrest you. They shouldn't be able to, like, do it at gunpoint. So that's what the amendment said. And you know how some Democrats and Republicans 
It seemed they couldn't agree on the time of day. Yeah. Well, on this bill, 85 senators, Democrats and Republicans, agreed that it should be illegal to discuss research on natural therapies. They would. They voted the bill down. Simple bill saying simply it should be legal to discuss research on natural therapies. So, hmm, what do you think is going on causing that? You know, follow that money trail. Now, we see the health uh, debate, but I suspect that both sides are owned, have been bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical and medical products industry. They own both sides of the argument uh, and both sides of the aisle. So, um, so we're seeing, again, I would estimate over 200,000 unnecessary deaths a year from prescription medications. And again, I'm not against medications. I'm just against the way they're being used. Um, you look at things like medication for osteoporosis, um, that biphosphonates. And it was funny, and for years, doctors said, well, these cause more fractures and are more toxic, you know, than the benefit. And, no, 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 doctors wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't see the research. Nobody would talk about it. The media wouldn't talk about it. Well, it's a multi-billion dollar here, you know, uh, area. Um, and then what you see over and over, the patents going off, the medications going generic, and suddenly the media seems to notice the research showing that the medications are toxic. And And even then they barely talk about them. But if you look at osteoporosis, um, the biphosphonates after five years, things like Fosamax, cause more fractures than they prevent, is what the data is suggesting. And even the many experts are recommending after five years that people need to stop it. But what they're not noticing is study after study after study after study, studies of thousands of people, showing that a simple cheap mineral called strontium, available for nickel, um, is almost twice as effective as a Fosamax and in long-term studies has shown to be very safe and continues to be safe and effective even after eight and now probably out to ten years. So, but does your doctor hear about that? No. In fact, you know, it may even be illegal to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did not know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, so again, um, one of the nine areas of health is learning how to use or avoid prescription medications wisely. And the book, The Real Cause, Real Cure book, goes through that and lets you know which ones get thumbs up and which get thumbs down. For example, for diabetes, there's a medication that is wonderful, very safe, very effective. It's called metformin, but it costs pennies. Mm-hmm. It's very cheap. Uh, most diabetes medications are actually more likely to kill people. No. Insulin insulin in adults is a slippery slide. It's, you know, it needs to be avoided when, when possible. Uh, although in children, it can be life-saving. Um, but in people with adult onset diabetes, it just makes them fatter and fatter and fatter, causing worse and worse diabetes. Um, but anyway, um, so again, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And just learning... Definitely. You know, which ones get a thumbs up versus which ones get the raspberry. And like I say, I don't take money from any drug companies or any pharmaceutical or natural product companies. Um, as a patient advocate, uh, like I say, it makes it really easy for me to look at things and say when the emperor is buck naked. 